Thank you, Greg, for helping us today. Amen. I want to encourage you to grab your Bible and turn with me to uh, chapter 29 of the book of Jeremiah. We'll be there in just a, a moment. Jeremiah chapter 29. Today we're uh, bringing to conclusion our series entitled Decision 2012. How will you decide? We've been looking over the last number of weeks of what it means to make good decisions. Whether it's good decisions in how we vote or good decisions in the little things in life or the big things in life, God has great instruction for us on how he wants to lead us and how we make decisions. I've shared at the beginning of each of these messages the last three weeks the importance that I feel in my heart that it is for us to take time to pray and to fast, to seek God for his wisdom, to give us guidance as we use our responsibility to vote here in just a few weeks. As I shared the first week and the second week, I feel blessed to share again today. God has not changed. His word has not changed. Though our culture is ever presently changing so rapidly, just because somebody may say it's not politically correct to speak about it anymore doesn't mean that God is now suddenly silent. I want to challenge you to join in with me and seek God and say, God, for me to use my responsibility to vote for a leadership that would best look like your principles done, would you give me wisdom and guidance? I want to challenge you to prayerfully seek God. As I shared that first week, I think something that would be far more tragic than us not having a stellar voting record or a perfect voting record is if we get to heaven and maybe we have voted God's way or to the best of our ability what we think would be God's way every single time, but in our own everyday life did not make decisions God's way. We didn't allow God to help us make good decisions in the little things in life or the big things in life. Today... I have a message that's been in my heart that I'm excited to share with you because there is hope. What do you do when you have made a bad choice? When you have found yourself in the middle of life's bad decision that you have been a part of? Is there hope in that situation? If you've made a bad decision, raise your hand. Very good. All of you who are not raising your hand, you just made a bad decision. You lied in church. <laughs> so everybody can raise their hand. You know, uh, if we're honest, there's many bad decisions that we have made. We're human, we are flawed, but sometimes a bad decision is, is not just poor judgment, it is just downright disobedient to God. We're going to look at, is there really hope in life's bad decisions, disobedient decisions to God? But I think one of the things that stands in our way of, of hearing God this morning in this topic is this idea that we all would admit we've made a bad decision, but there's a host of us. Maybe most of us in here today would say, well, I'm not really in the middle of a bad decision right now. That was way back when. It's easy for me to think back on some dumb decisions I've made. When I was, uh, oh goodness, I was about eight years old, I decided that I could get on the top of the roof of my house and use a garbage bag and treat it as a parachute. I ran off the edge of the roof and uh, the parachute opened, but I went straight down. This was a dumb decision. This was a bad decision. It did not turn out well for me. And, and I can think of a host of dumb decisions I've made like that. But do I, have I made a dumb decision lately? My daughter, Kaden, who's seven years old, uh, uh, I'm trying to get her to love camping. And so far, she's convinced that she loves camping with me. 
And one of my favorite things to do when we go camping is our tradition, the very first fire that we make on that camping trip, we don't use a lighter, we don't use, you know, like a starter stick or anything. We're going we're gonna to do a flint and steel, spark and, and kindling. We're going to make it happen. So I got Caden down there, we're on our hands and knees, and I've got the knife and the flint and steel, and we're sitting sparks going and everything. And Caden notices that the knife is a pretty cool thing. We begin to whittle later on, and, and Caden asks me, she says, Dad, when can I have a knife? Now, Mom was not on this camping trip, and I was not thinking real clearly, and she was six at the time, and I said, oh, a couple years. And she goes, oh, when I'm eight. And I said, yeah, that's fine, when you're eight. Well, that's coming up real quick. <laughs> and so uh, after uh, thinking about that, that poor choice of what I said, I began to share all the safety tips of how to use a knife. Well, you know, it's not a toy. You should be careful. And you never run with a knife, and you're never going to use this. Or when Mom and Dad aren't around, I sort of walk through all these ways that you could hurt yourself with a knife. Well, long story short, we're on our way back home from that camping trip. I'm in the truck, and I've got my favorite pocket knife in my hand. And I'm a person that uh, if I'm thinking or doing something, I'm going to play with something, keep my hand busy, and I'm opening this pocket knife and closing it, and open it and closing it, open it and closing it. Well, I'm also driving. Now, for me, I don't multitask real well. That's a lot to do, drive and just do that. But I was also on the cell phone that was going through the car speakers, and Caden was talking to me, and I had a couple things grabbing for my attention, and before I knew it, I let out a war hoop because I had closed that pocket knife on my left index finger and about cut the tip of my finger off. This bad decision was now painful. I have made that choice to play with the pocket knife hundreds if not thousands of times in my life. And I had never done anything that dumb. But today, friend, there are decisions that we are making. They are bad decisions. And I'm not just talking about a error in judgment. There are disobedient decisions we've been making. And whether we have felt the pain of them yet or not, pain is coming. And so for us to hear from God's word today, we need to say, God, as I'm hearing about hope that you give and life's bad decisions, would you prick my heart? Would you show me if there's areas in my life that let's just be real honest. I'm not making good decisions. I'm in the middle of the consequence of a bad decision. Most of us have made bad choices. In fact, all of us have. And we ask the question, is, is there any hope when I find myself when I've made a really bad, disobedient decision? Is God's will no longer for me anymore? Is there any hope in that situation? What can we find in Scripture about this? In Jeremiah 29, we're going to start at verse 4 here in just a second. But we're going to see here that this is a famous passage. You probably have heard Jeremiah 29 and 11. You've probably quoted it. You've probably shared it. Many of you have taught on this passage, but the context of this is very important. This is the people of God, and they've made some bad decisions. As a result, they find themselves where they've compromised their morals. They have given into the sinful lust, and they have went their own way, even though God gave them clear direction, and they find themselves defeated and dragged into exile by the Babylonians. Once there, they deeply repent They cry out to God, deliver us. And I can just see the thought in their mind. Well, surely God does not want his people to be in bondage. He doesn't want us to be in an uncomfortable situation. Save us, God. Save us from ourselves. And this first truth, I believe, that God wants us to catch from verse 4 is this. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this in. It's the challenge that God says, it's the command rather, you need to live in the real, not the ideal. Look at verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It didn't say that 
they just somehow happened to be carried into exile. He says, all those that I led, I carried into exile. God not only allowed it, he said, you, because of your bad decisions, will reap the consequences. God allows us to live in the real world, reaping the consequences of our decisions. Not this idealistic pie in the sky Nothing ever goes wrong. Doesn't matter what I do, God will always get me out of every jam that I get myself into. It'd be just as dumb as me saying, God, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of you, I'm a preacher of your gospel, so don't let my finger get cut when I play with a knife while I'm driving, talking on the phone, and talking to my daughter. What kind of silly prayer is that? If you play with a knife and do dumb things with it, it will cut you and it's going to hurt. God says, you know what, you need to live in the real world. And understand that it's not this idealistic thing that to get hope and life's bad decisions, we have to own up that we have made bad decisions or we are in a circumstance because of a bad decision. And we may have to live through the consequence of that before we see the hope that God is bringing. How does this fit with our concept of God, a loving God who we want to deliver us from every uncomfortable situation in our life? If that doesn't sound like the loving God that you hope for, I understand. But friends, we need to have a better definition of what love really is. God loves us so much that he knew that those children did not need to be just brought out instantly. Or he would enable them to make those decisions over and over. They needed to suffer some of the consequences. And God does that with you and I. Love prescribed a good dose of reality therapy for his kids, and God often prescribes that for us. Write this down. God is not obligated to deliver you or I from the consequences of bad decisions. Now, sometimes he does. He is God. I'm not. I don't know why he does that sometimes. But God is not obligated to deliver you from the consequences of bad decisions. Sometimes you walk through those consequences of bad decisions. Now I want you to notice, I didn't say in there that God is not obligated to deliver you from the consequences of your bad decisions. Sometimes we are facing consequences of somebody else's bad decision they made that affects us. And the hope that we need to hang on to today for hope in life's bad decisions, it may not be a decision that you made, but you are affected by this decision. Many of us have family members who have made bad, disobedient decisions, and the consequences are not only affecting them, it's affecting us, it's affecting you. Some of you, you have been faithful at work, you've tried to be a good employee, you've tried to be honest, you've tried to be diligent, you've been a hard worker, you served your employer as if it was the Lord, and your employer or your supervisor took some shortcuts. They did some things that was not God's pattern, and now as things are coming loose and unraveling, you're paying the price along with them for their bad decisions. Many times in life, we find ourselves in a circumstance where we are reaping the consequence of a bad decision, some that we have made, some that have been made for us. You know, it's not unlike, I think, what we're facing in our country. You or I, we may not have made every one of the decisions that have brought us to this place in our nation, but we are facing the consequences of some really bad decisions. But here's the hope today. When we see this, we do not need to despair. This is not a time when you find yourself in a situation where you're facing the consequences of bad decisions, where you just hole up and you just kind of fret and you say, there's just nothing that can happen. Do you think God is up in heaven fretting over where our country is right now? Not at all. 
It may be breaking his heart. He may be weeping for us, but he's not fretting. He's not going, I hope this happens. I, I, I hope this leader comes in. I hope they make this decision. I hope God is sovereign. He is Lord. He is in control of all. And whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever consequences that you're walking through because of your choice or someone else's, God's not fretting. But God says, listen to me. And he's going to prescribe some things that we need to hang on to. There is hope in life's bad decisions. Friends, in a down economy, Christians should have the best attitude. We know there's more to this life than what we can just earn. We should be the best employees at work when it is dark and gloomy. We have hope beyond that. Even if you're in the middle of a situation where you're reaping all the pain of a bad decision, God wants to break through. God wants to break through. In fact, let's look at that in verse 5 of chapter 29. Here in the middle of this bondage, this exile, let's see what verse 5 tells us. This is the Lord speaking. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Look at that again. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. They are in exile. They are in the middle of a situation where they're reaping the pain of their bad decisions. But God says, in the midst of that circumstance, I want to bless you. I want to bring increase to you. I want to flourish among you. I want you to do something else. Look at verse 7. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. That's right. God says, pray for peace and prosperity in this ungodly city or this ungodly nation. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. When we find ourselves in those tough situations, God still wants to minister to you. He may not relieve you of all the scars of that sinful choice, but He wants to bless you. He wants to bring good in your midst, even there. He wants us to be an example of godliness and holiness, even when we may have blown it. God wants to sustain us. Write this in. God wants me to be at peace with my circumstances. Now, he doesn't want you to be satisfied with your circumstances all the time, but he wants you to be at peace and know that he is there in the middle of that tough time. God is not on vacation. He hasn't lost you. He sees you right there, and he wants you to have peace in the middle of that challenging circumstance. When we brought this on ourselves, sometimes the enemy... Uh, brings undue guilt and shame. And we say, well, I can't have peace. This is all my fault. Friend, it may be all your fault. But God says, I want to give you peace. I even want to bring blessing to you. I may not relieve all the pain, but I want to still work in your midst among you if you do these things. We're going to continue to read. Second, not only does God want us to live in the real world, not the ideal, to face the music and our bad decisions, but second is to surrender our dream to God's truth. Look at verse 8 and 9. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you have encouraged them to have. I love that. Don't listen to the dreams you've told the prophets, hey, it'd be really cool if you'd dream this dream. 
Don't listen to the sermons you've told the pastor. It'd be really cool if you'd preach this, this sermon. He says, don't, don't do that. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. You see, the people, they wanted to have the weekly sermon to be deliverance is around the corner. The bailout is on the way. They longed to listen to people who would tell them what they wanted to hear. And God says, hey, hey, you need to surrender your dream to my truth. The reason the church in America is so weak, it's so tepid, is because she has lost her prophetic voice. We bought into a message that's convenient for us. We lift up people who say things that make us feel comfortable, who give us reason of how we can rationalize our sinful disobedience and call it something else. And God says, stop listening to the things that you have suggested for them to say to you. Listen to my truth. Surrender to my truth, not to what you want to hear. There will always be preachers and politicians and prophets and friends and family who will say things that you want to hear. But God says, surrender that to my truth. I must resist, write this in, I must resist those who tell me only what I want to hear. There will be people around you and the temptation will be huge when you're in the middle of life's bad decision that you've either made or you're, someone else has made for you. You're going to have temptation like crazy to listen to the people who just say the things to ease the tension. You're in the middle of a, of a marriage that's gone awry and it's, it, it is rocky beyond rocky. I mean, it's not just that you're arguing. It's not just that it's about she burnt your toast. or the, I mean, that, that's serious stuff. I mean, when they say, well, just get along, you, I, I, just, I, don't even, I can't stand the person, let alone love the person. And you just had it. And, and then a friend comes along and they say to you, well, you know what? You deserve better than this. Life is too short to be unhappy. You know, you, you shouldn't live this way. Well, why don't you just start over? Hey, do you care about your marriage as much as God cares about your marriage? God can raise the dead to life. He can heal your marriage. He can bring wholeness and health in a situation where you have no hope. There will be people, no matter what crisis you're in, no matter what situation you're in, who will tell you the things you want to hear, and you have to flee that temptation. Resist those who tell you only what you want to hear. Another way to put this is, I must quit trying to change God's Word to fit my lifestyle. And I've got to start changing my lifestyle to fit God's Word. It's amazing to me that sometimes the mental gymnastics we go through because of somebody who has studied longer than we have or they have come up with a different insight than we've seen and we allow them to give us a false gospel and and we begin to believe that, well, if I read it this way or understand it this way or I kind of take your philosophy on life, then I don't really have to change anything. And God's word begins to change to fit how I'm already living and, and I don't really have to live a victorious life and there's really not victory this side of heaven and 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 who am i you know we begin to mess with god's word and change his word to fit how i'm already living god says let me change your life to my truth when i resist the lies of the false prophets then i can embrace god's truth sometimes that takes a while i believe it's in verse 10 look at that how long will they be there 70 years How popular would that be right now for a politician to say, you know what, we may have some economic downturn for the next 70 years. That's not going to do real good on the stump speech. 
God's not worried about how his word sounds on a stump speech. Sometimes he allows us to linger in the consequence of a bad decision. Next, I must stay committed to the truth of God's word. It's one thing to not just listen to those who tell me what I want to hear. It's another thing to be committed to the truth of God's word. It's at this point when you've already made a bad decision or you're reaping the consequences of somebody else's bad decision that you're tempted just to give up. I've already missed the mark, and so therefore, what good is God's direction now? It's more important to you now than ever before. It can get a whole lot worse, friend. If you cut the tip of your finger because you're playing with a dumb knife and doing things you shouldn't do, why pick it up and take it to the other hand and start chopping off the other fingers? Stop! Learn from it! Put it away! Get rid of it! God says, I want you to be committed to my truth. The enemy will make you feel shame and guilt. Well, what use is there in trying to follow God now? I've already messed it up. Friend, it doesn't matter. If you find yourself and you say, I'm a person that wants to get 100% on the test. I want to get 90% on the test. If you look at life and you feel like you're failing, God has a plan for you. Look at number three. There's hope in life's bad decision. And what do you need to do? Embrace God's plans for your future. Now here's the verse we wanted to start the teaching out with. Look at this. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, now many of us have quoted this and have hung on to this passage, but we may not think of the context in which it's found. The God who says, I have plans to give you a hope and a future, I don't want to harm you, just sent them into exile. We say, well, God, give me the, the plans and the hope and the dreams and prosper me and, and get me out of this mess. God, I am serious enough about recognizing the mess I've made of my life, the mess of this situation, how careless I was. I am not going to be in this idealistic world. I'm going to live in the real. And there may be some pain. But God, I need you to move in my midst. I'm going to stay committed to your word, surrender to your word, not my dream. And third, embrace your plans for the future. Now, how do we do that? Look at verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You want God to prophesy over you, I have a plan and a hope, a dream for you to prosper you? It's not about your comfort. We already talked about that. How does that happen? You come to him. You call on him. You pray to him. And and how? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Friend, if you're needing hope in life's bad decision today, one of the things you've got to get rid of is this, this double-mindedness, this impurity. Well, I'm going to kind of seek God most of the way, but I, I, I just can't obey all the way. There's an interesting thing in the principle of giving that always baffles me. I've been told I should preach this way, and I don't know how to do it. Uh, people I respect and I love, and maybe your friend. Dad, I don't know, I'm sorry, but I just don't get this. When we're teaching people about how to get in on God's economy, and God's word clearly says to give a tenth of all you have to the storehouse where you worship on, on biblical tithing, and sometimes we encourage people, well, if you, can't just, if you can't just tithe, you just start with whatever you want to. I don't get that. that I mean, I don't, I don't do that in other areas of my life. Well, well I want to have you know, purity in my life sexually. If, if I don't feel like I can be strong enough for total purity, I'll just kind of be pure, mostly pure, Thursday through Saturday pure. But Sunday through 
the other days I lost track. I'll kind of be impure then. Well, God, I'm going to, I'm going to honor you with a third. I'm going to honor you, or with a third, with, with 3%. I'm going to honor you with, with, with 6% or, or, or 7 or 8 God said, hey, listen, I, I gave you a formula. Take 10% of everything that I've given to you, bring it in the storehouse. And then let me bless you. Well, here's what's going to happen. That 90% that I'm entrusting to you, I'm going to call you to invest that too. You invest that in your house and your family and your friends and, and leverage that for the kingdom. Guess what? God's not after your money. It's much worse than that if that freaks you out. He's after you. He's after everything. Now, if this is your first time here, I want you to be very clear. God is not broke. God doesn't need your money. God wants you. God loves you. And he wants to free you from that. And so this area of obedience, God, I want to seek you with all of my heart. Friend, if you're here today and you've fought the temptation to say, well, I haven't made any bad decisions. I'm not sitting in the middle of a bad decision. I make perfect decisions. All my decisions are good. Okay. Keep praying, thinking. And if that's true, great. But if you're here today and you go, you know what, there, there's some decisions. I don't, I don't know if it's, I'm really honoring God there. Seek Him with all your heart. Call out to Him. He has hope for you today. Look at verse, uh, well, let's go on to verse 13 and 14. We didn't read 14 here. After we seek with all our heart, verse 14, I will be found by you. That's powerful. In the middle of the mess you find yourself in, you can be found by God. God will let you find him. God will show up in the middle of that exile situation. And God says this, And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from the places which I have carried you into exile. This is good news. If you've ever rebelled against God, friend, if you've disobeyed Him, if you've reaped the consequences, painful consequences of being disobedient to God, if you're going through that right now, or someone has made that decision for you, it wasn't your disobedience, but you are affected by that. There is hope, and we need to seek God with all of our heart. Now, here's what God promises us. It's not always a quick fix, but in rapid fire, here's what he gives you. He will give you freedom. He says, I will end your captivity. Now, for the children of Israel here, there was a 70-year period where they're like, well, I don't feel so free. He bought freedom in the mix, in the midst of all of their challenges. But then he did finally deliver them. For us, the application for us today, it may not be that you're in, in some physical captivity, but God is going to bring spiritual freedom to you. You may feel all locked up and tied up spiritually, and, and you feel this is just a huge wall. If, if you are dead honest, when you pray, it's if there's nobody there. When you sing, it's if there's no one there. Friends, this is a safe place, isn't it? Let, let's make a vow we don't want to play any games here. If, if we're seeking God, and you don't see God, don't fake it. Just, I don't see God. I don't, I don't get it. If, if, if you're feeling that the people around you are pressing into God, you don't get it, it's okay. We do not want to show here. We want to be honest and transparent before God. If, if I have a block, I don't sense God's presence. I don't see Him speaking to me. You say, God, is there, is there something is there something there that you need to deal with? Is, is, is there freedom flowing? Ask yourself this question. Do you really have freedom spiritually from God today? I mean, no matter what situation you find yourself in, 
You're free. I mean, the worst they can do is kill you. The worst that can happen in this life is you die. Guess what? I can share my philosophy of life really fast. This life is really short. The next life is really long. I'm going to do things in this life that matter in this life. And so when bad things happen here, I'm going to look to what's happening here. That's where there's hope. Now, friends, I, don't, don't, don't misunderstand. I'm glad you're excited, but I don't want you to just get excited. Because this is a truth that God wants to drill into your heart today. There's somebody here who has been so bound by guilt and shame. And God says, I want to give you hope in life's bad decisions. But the first thing is you got to go, I made a dumb decision. If we keep climbing up on the top of the roof and we use a garbage bag, we're to jump off and think it's going to give us a, a parachute to get down. It doesn't work. It's dumb. It's kid stuff. But let's be honest with ourselves. How am I obeying God? God's going to give you freedom. Romans 8, 1 and 2. It's not because I thought it would be good to put there. Here's what it says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Church, don't ever take something just because I say it. Or anybody who stands up here. Or anybody who's on TV or on the radio. You find it in God's Word. That's my responsibility to point to God's Word. It's your responsibility to read it and hang on to God's Word. God's Word says when you are free, you are free indeed. If you're in the middle of a circumstance of life's bad decision, God wants to bring freedom to you. He won't just get you out of a jam most of the time. You may walk through it, but you can have freedom in the middle of the jam. You want to be a good witness? Let God speak through you when you've blown it. I don't want to be that kind of witness. I want to be the one that has it all together and I can give you all the great logic of, Greg, let me tell you, here's the 18,000 things you need to know about God. I'm going to convince you in your mind of how you're going to come to God. What if I'd say, Greg, I have blown it. I've asked God to forgive me. I need to ask you to forgive me. Who does that? You know what? You've seen the old me. But I want you to see the new me. In fact, it's not a lot of me. It's Jesus in me. We just sang a lyric about, you know, that old person's gone, the new person's here. What do people see in you that's new? Is there anything fresh and new of God coming up in you? God not only wants to bring freedom, He also promises restoration. He will restore you. It may not be on the timetable that you like, but he will bring restoration. I love Joel 2, 25. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. The enemy has stolen from you your identity in Christ. He's stolen from you your purpose in Christ. He's stolen from you the joy of the Lord, and God will restore them. Now, here's where we get messed up. Bad preaching who tells you what you want to hear will say, God will restore all the things that you want, hope, dream, and greed for. No. You may not have all the money you want. You may not have all the stuff you want. People may not act the way you want them to, but God will bring restoration to your soul of what Satan has destroyed, what Satan has stolen from you. Satan's told you a lie that if you don't have these things, you're not worth something. If this person doesn't give you their blessing, then you're no amount to anything. Guess what? If mom or dad never bless you, if your husband or wife never bless you, if your, your kids never bless you, God wants to bless you. He will restore what Satan has stolen away. Freedom, restoration, and finally security. Man, people pay a lot of money today to have some kind of security. If you have a way of helping people's retirement accounts stay stable in this economy, you're going to do pretty well yourself. 
If you can help people feel secure because of all the uncertainties in life, you're going to do pretty well because security is at an all-time premium when we don't feel secure. God says, I will gather you out of the nations where I have sent you and bring you back home again. Psalm 112, verse 8. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look and triumph at his foes. That's a timely promise for us. In the middle of a culture and a nation where there's a lot of insecurity and we're not so sure what's going to happen, you can be confident that God is going to make good on his promise. It's not just something that we read about. It's not something I'm just suggesting to you today. It's backed up by thousands of years of history, generation after generation of people who followed God and God has made good on these promises. So what do we do with this this morning? I want to challenge you today to just get real honest with yourself. Are you living in the real or just some fictitious ideal? We'll never have hope in life's bad decision if we say, I, I didn't make bad decisions. I, I, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. There's no, uh, no, I'm not facing any consequence of anybody else. Or God, God's going to take care of it. It, it wasn't me. God, God it wasn't me. It was somebody else's fault. God says, hey, own up to it. Own up to it. I want to bring healing and hope and restoration, but you've got to own up to it. And you've got to surrender your dream of what you want to hear, how you want it to go for God's truth. God wants to bring truth to your life today and embrace God's plan for you. There's somebody here today that you say, I don't, I don't deserve this. I've messed up so bad. I've done so many things. I don't, I don't even know if I want God to give me hope and a future. Well, the good news is God didn't ask you. He says, you come close to me, and this is what I'm going to give you. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. God wants to give it to you. I'm going to ask Greg to come up. And I want to ask you to search your heart today. I want you to say, God, have you impressed on my heart an area of a bad decision? It may be something that's really recent. It may be something a number of years back, but you're still hanging on to that. You're still facing the consequences of that. It's affecting you. And today, maybe you've never confessed and asked God to forgive you. Maybe you already have asked Him to forgive you, but today you need hope in this situation. God wants to give you hope. Seek Him with all your heart today. In a moment, not right now, I'm going to invite you to come forward and come pray at this altar. This is not the only place that we pray here at Grace Point, but it's a good place to pray. There's some people here today that you need hope and life's bad decisions, and you didn't make this decision. Somebody made this for you. Somebody did this, and it's affecting you, but you need hope. You need to seek God with all of your heart. Surrender to His truth, not just your dream of what you want to hear. Let Him give you freedom. Let Him give you security but we need to act on that you say well if i come forward what will people think of me i think I've, I've made some horrible mistake they'll probably think you're making the best decision of your life that's the enemy if you ever wonder what will people think of me that's the enemy what we need to be asking is what does god think of me he knows you can't fool him he's not here ready to give you a spiritual spanking he says i want to wrap you up in my arms i want to support you the consequence that you find yourself in because of somebody else's choice or your own choice of life's bad decision, I have hope for you today. If you're here today 
and God's speaking to you, you don't have to conjure it up. You already know. You you're, you're just can't wait till I shut up so you can get talking to God. If that's you, right now as we sing, I want you to stand up. I want you to come forward at this altar and you seek God with all your heart. We're going to pray together. Let's do that right now.